Welcome into Ball. He is ESPN's Tom Lugabill. I'm Ryan Brown. It's presented by MyBookie.ag. Code next round. MyBookie.ag. Code next round to get signed on with that 110% sign-on bonus at MyBookie.ag. Lugs is joining us not from his normal studio, but from the road. You are in Boone, North Carolina, Lugs. Yeah, man, uh, it's that time of year, right? We've got midweek games and I think it's, what, 50 straight days of, yep. of football every single day of the week. So uh, this time of year, I start pulling some double duty. I got a couple of more in November and then some probably some FCS playoff games. But this is a fun one in Boone, man. It's, it's one of the greatest environments in college football. I call it the Boise State of the East Coast. Uh, Coastal Carolina coming to town to take on App State. So looking forward to it tonight on ESPN2. For those that have never been um, to the western part of North Carolina to see that area, it is a gorgeous area. That is a beautiful campus, widely regarded as one of the most beautiful campuses uh, really in the world. It's awesome, man. I mean, you're you're about two hours from Charlotte. You're up in the mountains. Right now we've got the fall foliage change, Ooh. a lot of orange, a lot of yellow, a lot of red and brown. And then the it, it's interesting because the campus sits right in the valley of, a, of, of about 3,500 feet. And then, you know, you're you're 25 minutes from two ski places to go. Um, the stadium's really cool. If you haven't been up here, they call it the Rock because it literally built, sunken down into bedrock. That's what it's up against and what it lays upon. So just uh, it's a cool spot, man. There's, not, yeah. there's no, no secrets as to why this place has been successful. All right, so Lugabill is there. And then Saturday, we'll be in Tuscaloosa for Alabama, Arkansas. We'll talk about that game coming up in a moment. But as we get started here, a reminder – that at mybookie.ag, again, when you sign on with code next round, you make that initial deposit, they match it uh, 110%. That is absolutely free money, 110%. They're at mybookie.ag. That is code next round. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie.ag, code next round. Uh, let's start, though, with when weaknesses collide. Now, one of these I, I, I fear you might disagree with. All right. So I'll save it for a second. One of them I know right. you won't disagree with. Auburn is at LSU. Uh, the weaknesses that will collide here are Auburn's offense, LSU's defense. Auburn's offense currently, Lugs, in passing is ranked behind Army. Army is yeah. 120 in passing. Auburn is 121, and the stats are almost identical. Uh, across the board, it's not just yards per game. I mean, like, everything's identical. LSU yeah. is 14th in the SEC against the run, 13th against the pass. They're awful defensively. How do I evaluate when weaknesses collide? Whether or not, if LSU says, hey, listen, we haven't been able to stop the run, but these guys can't throw it. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to roll the dice. We're going to push the chips to the table. We're loading the box, and we're going to say, Hugh Freeze, Peyton Thorne, Robbie Ashford, we dare you. And now, live and die at the line of scrimmage. Now, can you do it on every down? No. But I, I know that if you're going to give up an explosive and you haven't been able to stop the run, at least force it through the air where the percentages weigh into your favor. There's way more things that can go wrong, right? right There's right. one said that when you when you throw the football, three things can happen and two of them are bad, right? So I think that's kind of the, the recipe. And the, the good news, if you're an LSU fan, is that Auburn is not equipped to get into a track meet. Right now, LSU thrives on that because they know it's the only way to bail out their defense. And I think that if in this type of setting, and it's not going to be easy because I think we all know uh, how difficult it is to play there, but in this type of setting, if if LSU were to get up like 14-3 or 17-6 or something like that, 
it would really put a lot of pressure on Auburn because they wouldn't just be able to, hey, we're going to line up. Because I love their quarterback run plan versus Georgia. I, know. I just don't well, know if you can – it's the only plan they had, right? Yeah, exactly. And and that's kind what of my point. What, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, if it worked against Georgia, you got to try it against LSU, right? Oh, th- there's no question. And they're yeah. going to force LSU to try to defend quarterback run and all those sorts of things. And in order for that to work, they have to stay ahead of the chains on early downs because if they don't, you're going to get an obvious passing situation. This puts you at a distinct disadvantage if you're Auburn. All right. So the one you might disagree with, and I'm fine if you do, obviously, right. you're a better football mind than me. But when I watch Notre Dame, they're not like awful on offense, but they, it seems to hold them back. It seems like they played good enough defense to beat Ohio State, good enough defense to beat Duke, and their mm-hmm. offense has not participated. But now I play USC, whose defense rarely participates. Am I being (laughs) – calling offense a weakness for Notre Dame, is that being a little too harsh by me? I think it might be a little too harsh. Um, I just also think it's fair to say that Notre Dame is just plum tuckered out. Yeah. I mean, you look at the gauntlet that they are now embarking on for four straight weeks, and they just might be mentally and physically spent. Now – and, and we said it on this show after the first two to three weeks going into that Ohio State game, we really don't know how good either of those two teams are because they hadn't played anybody. Yeah. So they made it look easy. And at that time, Notre Dame looked like, wow, this is a well-balanced, well-oiled machine. They can run it. They're aggressive at the point of attack. Sam Hartman's making all the right decisions, and he is. Um, and then he wasn't. And then all of a sudden it became tough sledding. And you get back-to-back uh, road games against really good teams, and it's just taken its toll. That being said, I, from what I've seen from SC on defense, you can be an average offense and move the football. Right. You, you could be a below average offense. My biggest question is, if Notre Dame is who they think they are on offense, meaning that we are a line of scrimmage football team, we're going to run inside and outside zone and lead zone and counter, and then we're going to come off a of play action, and that's where our passing game is going to come. How is SC going to stop the run game? That's that's what I that's the question I want to know because if they can't, that's the recipe for Notre Dame. Now, and I'm saying I'm assuming that Notre Dame's not worn out. They're going to be ready. This is a rivalry game. They're going to come out. Their mindset's going to be right. They're at home. They do have some things in their in their corner. So let's assume all of those things are right in their mind. Their their mode of operation has to be we have to limit SC's offensive possessions. Yeah, I was stunned against Arizona when Jed Fish decided to kick it in the first overtime and give the ball back to Caleb Williams. You're on the road. You have a backup quarterback. You've outplayed SC. Go for two and get the hell out of the Coliseum. Exactly. Right? I mean, that, yeah, that, no that doubt. stunned yeah. me. So it is about limiting how many times Caleb Williams touches the ball. Let's, I mean, let's, let's call it what it is with SC. This is Caleb Williams and some offensive skill guys. That's their entire roster. You know, we kind of talked about Colorado. They've got a handful of guys that are really good. Their depth is really depleted and not good enough. SC right now has a handful of guys and has better athletes than Colorado does on defense and might be worse than Colorado on defense. Yeah. And, and it's it's astounding to watch that and to, and to see this, I, I call it a blind spot, for, for Lincoln Riley, who I have so much respect for as a play call and an offensive mind and a quarterback coach, but – how many times is it going to take to realize you're not, not only are you not winning a championship, 
you're not even going to come close to getting to the college football playoff playing like that on that side of the ball. Would Here's one for you, Ryan. Okay. Where would you rank SC in the top ten uh, top teams in the Pac-12 right now? Of the Pac-12. So, and we're going to get to this game at the end here. Um, Washington and Oregon, I feel like right now are the best teams in that in that conference that they played. Agree, week. agree. Um, yeah, and that UCLA. I mean, here's the problem, and I know Utah's got a good defense, but I watch UCLA go play Utah, and they can't move the football on them. Yeah. Nobody's moving the football against Utah. I, I, I know. <laughs> but, but I mean, if USC went and played Utah, USC would move it on them more than UCLA yeah. did. I mean, we'll yeah, see that well, later well, in the year. It's an entirely different quarterback conversation, too, That's though, right. when you yeah, compare yeah, those yeah. two teams. But, like, I look – like, Washington State was one of the hottest teams in America that nobody was talking about. That's what right. do they do? They go on the road. They turn the ball over four times. They lose. Right. All right? They yep. deserve to lose. Yep. UCLA got the better of them. UCLA yep. started to get confidence. That quarterback's growing up a little bit. I would still put Oregon State in the conversation as being a better football team. I'm talking about all-encompassing. Yeah. Because Oregon State can play defense, and they're physical, and they can play keep away, and they can get off the field on defense. Yeah. So I guess the point that I'm trying to make is I'm scratching my head at these AP voters that are considering SC to be a top-10 team. Are they even watching SC? Well, and I think some of that is name brand. Some of it is Caleb Williams. but A lot of it is Caleb Williams. And some of it is, too, this, you know, the USC game. The 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 Pac-12 had an entire schedule last week played on the Pac-12 network, save the USC Arizona game. That was the only Nobody game. Sees it. I know it's the only game the whole country could watch was USC Arizona, yeah. um, and th- that should have hurt USC. By the way, they played awful. It's the worst game they played mm. this year. But but somehow it didn't because you didn't see UCLA do what they did right. to Washington State this past weekend. Uh, I think the country will see the best two teams. We'll talk about that game yeah. at, at the end with USC or excuse me with uh, Washington and Oregon. Ball is presented by MyBookie.ag. Code next round when you sign on at MyBookie.ag. Get that sign-on bonus uh, right away. It is 110%. You can play it right away. You win one time. It is yours forever. It's not one of those bonuses where they make you win five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. Uh, MyBookie.ag. Code next round. Also, Lance'sLock.com. I got a. Uh, How's Lance doing? Hey, how do you do? Because I got spit lugs with him tomorrow. He's killing it, lugs. I was going to pull this up. I saw this. Um, let's see. This is the past month. So I'm guessing this is the past 30 days, not necessarily a calendar month, past 30 days. He is up 14.31 units last month. 14 plus units. That's winning ball right there. Yeah. yeah. Get it done. So he's been red hot in football. Yeah. And the uh, postseason baseball, really good too. Lanceslock.com, up 14 units in the last month. Great time to get on board with single day packages, weekly, monthly, year-long packages for a great value at lanceslock.com. All right, Southern Barbecue, you got the game. Alabama, Arkansas. Uh, will it be a barbecue? Will the hogs get roasted? We'll discuss that. But first, let's talk actual barbecue. You live in North Carolina, but you spend a lot of time in Alabama. Are you more beef or more pork? Um, I'm probably more pork. Okay. I'm probably more pork. And, you know, my wife's from the state of Alabama, and, and I spent a considerable amount of time in that state. Right. Um. So, yeah, and and yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pork guy, there's no doubt. But I'm also a white sauce guy. Okay, that was that was coming up. White sauce on pork or just on chicken? On everything. On everything. Okay, pork, so, chicken. Yeah. Have you ever dipped a hush puppy in it? Oh, I've. That'll change your life. Yes, I like white sauce. Um, but when it comes to the red sauce, are you thicker, thinner, middle of the road with a red sauce? You like the vinegar base? You like, you know, more of the tomato base? Which one? I don't care about the consistency. I care about what the kick is. 
Okay. I want some spice. Yeah, I like mean, the both. hotter the better yep. for me. You meet, yep. you mix sweet and spice for me. Oof, I so might good. not push back from the table. Um, if you eat a barbecue sandwich or a barbecue chicken sandwich, is it okay to have slaw on it? Are you okay with slaw on a sandwich? Depends on the slaw. Okay. Like I, I see. I don't think all slaw is created equal. I and agree. Personally, I'm not a big coleslaw guy. I'm just yeah. not. But then there'll be some I'll take. I'm like, well, that's kind of different. I kind of like that. But like, yeah. I'm not a have to have slaw with my barbecue. If I were to go through like a buffet line and there was coleslaw there, 99% of the time I wouldn't get it. See, I'm like you. I never yeah. eat it as a side. I like it as a condiment. I like it on a sandwich. Yes. I think it, it adds yeah. to the sandwich. Um, all right, so if you're going to sit down for a meal of barbecue pork, is it chopped? Do you like a barbecue rib? What what, what do you like? I like, uh, I probably like spare ribs more than anything else. Okay. Yeah. Um, baby backs are probably my favorite, I would yep. say. Um, another uh, here's one for you on on barbecue. You're familiar with wits in Alabama, right? I am. Okay, so have you ever had their stuffed baked potato? Oh, I have not. Okay, so they make this big, gigantic stuffed baked potato, right? With loaded fixings so cheese, sour cream, butter, chives, bacon, and then whatever it is pulled pork, brisket, pulled chicken, whatever. And then yep. you add your sauces and all that, and you just take it, you just crush it all up. Right. Top notch. Oh, Throw yeah. some white sauce on there, too. Oh, heck yeah, it sounds phenomenal. Okay. All right. So uh, the Hogs coming to Tuscaloosa. All that set up to get to Alabama, Arkansas. <laughs> Alabama coming off that win where they had a ton of penalties. They probably didn't play their A game, but they went to College Station and, and won. Um, that, that pass rush Alabama had Saturday was Ooh. just relentless, Luganville. So, so last year, you know, it became – in vogue, and maybe it was true to say, boy, Will Anderson did not live up to the hype. Dallas Turner did not have a great game against Texas, but aside from that, he has absolutely lived up to the hype. That guy's having a year right now for Alabama. Absolutely. In fact, I, I would venture this argument to people out there. It's interesting how the defense started to really start to come on yep. at the same time Jalen Milrose started playing better against Ole Miss. Right. And when those two things, those two stars aligned, all of a sudden there's a little bit of a different feel about this football team. And you go on the road to Texas A&M. I, I, I think Texas A&M is actually a pretty good team. Like, yeah. I, 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 I really do. I think they're a pretty good team. And in order to beat them, we said on this show last week, unfortunately because of A&M on defense, who nobody can run the ball against, Alabama's going to have to throw the ball to beat them. And you know what? That kid went out there and did it. He showed poise and he showed composure. Uh, he was able to have a short memory when they didn't play well. I know things are still a work in progress up front. He's taken a lot of shots, five sacks. The penalties are killing him, particularly the procedure penalties. So he was up against a lot of obstacles and just kept forging ahead. And I think he showed Alabama's fan base an awful lot about his competitive temperament and his mental toughness. The fact that the defense, and I'm going to point out something else here too that I think gets glossed over. The defense with their injuries, particularly to Malachi Moore, and the alternates that came in and how they ended up putting the pieces of the puzzle, moving Terrion Arnold into the star, putting yep. then uh, Amos out to corner where you can kind of protect him because you can say, hey, listen, just cover that guy yeah, and and be aware of run support. Whereas Arnold has to he's, – he's involved in communication, getting guys lined up and things of that nature. So I thought they made the right chess pieces and the moves on the board there. And it wasn't perfect initially, but then they settled in. If you remember, I think there was a penalty or there was a 
dropped something right after that happened. But then they, they, they settled down and they got the lineup right. But you know who the guy was that probably, I don't want to say saved Alabama, but made a huge dent. You're going to go, what? Will Reichard. Oh, there's no doubt. As a punter. Yeah. As he, a punter. The hang time forced all the fair catches. That's where I was talking about this yeah. with Jim, Brownie. Yep. So that's where all the hidden yardage is. Like, yep. What if you had six punts and the guy returns all of them? What if one of them, he gets a six-yard return. Another one, he gets a 27-yard return. Yep. Another one, he gets an 18-yard return. You've eliminated all that. So you've maintained a long field behind a defense that is dominant. Yep. And so I, I just thought I, <laughs> there, there was a play, and I've seen it a couple of times with the defensive front for Alabama, and it was Jaheim Otis, Dallas Turner, and I'm such – this is a coach in me. Everything's a number to me. 96, mm -hmm. who was lined up over the nose. And Otis and 96 are lined up around uh, to next to each other on the inside, and Dallas Turner – is coming off the edge and they overload that side and the guard for Texas A&M slips. Yeah. And poor Max Johnson sitting back there and the <laughs> walls are closing in and it's like first rounder, first rounder, yep. first rounder and nobody's blocking two of the three of them, you know. And you start to see that and you know you quiet the crowd down. This was it wasn't perfect and the penalties are problematic. We know that. We keep talking about it. Oh, I know. But they're so talented that somehow, some way, they're they're overcoming it, and I and I know that can't go on forever, but holy smokes, uh, just an impressive outfit there to come away with a win. Can I make a valid argument? Caleb Downs is the best freshman in America. Yes, in fact, I just came out with my top twenty-five freshmen on ESPN.com through the okay. first week, six weeks of the season. I had him number two behind Zachariah Branch at USC. I'm fine with that. Yeah, that, that dude is the best player yeah, on their team next, yeah. next to Caleb Williams. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I'm fine with that. Uh, yeah, Branch is incredible. But uh, what Caleb Downs doing? And then you know, to your point, Saturday, he's asked to do it now without the veteran Malachi Moore next to him Correct. for a lot of that game. All of a sudden, this kind of becomes his show at the safety spot there. Um, and the way Arnold played, yeah, that was just – it was uh, – you look at the scoreboard, normally you wouldn't say masterful defensive performance, but A&M, they held them to 103 second-half yards. That's pretty – on the road, that's a masterful defensive performance right there. No, it, it really is. And, and going back to Caleb Down, because, you know, those who follow recruiting and they follow it very closely and they're passionate about it and they see the star rating and they see the four and the five star and this and that. And, and I've said this to you hundreds of times over the years. It's – all of these guys coming out of high school, or if you're a top 50, top 100, even top 200, 300 player, 99% of them are physically gifted enough to play as a freshman. Like, yeah. it's not the physical uptick that you're adjusting for. It's from the neck up. Like, can you handle all the other stuff? Like, can you handle being away from home, going to class, being accountable for your time, waking up at 5 a.m. for the workouts? going uh, to, to study hall, being on time for meetings, training table, all of these different things. And then, oh, by the way, be that same way on the football field with everybody that's 19, 20, 21, 22, 23 years old. That's where Caleb Downs yeah. is different. Caleb yeah. Downs is an adult brain and mentality in a kid body with NFL attributes. And those, yeah. those are rare, rare traits. That doesn't happen all the time. If it did, there'd be 32 freshmen dominating college football every year the way he is, and there's not. There's a handful of them.
Yeah, and he's been terrific. Alabama and Arkansas, good matchup for Alabama, you think, this week? They're, they're a 19-and-a-half-point favorite or somewhere around there at mybookie.ag. Does this, is this a good matchup straight out of game day with your game Saturday? On on paper, it, it's not. And I, and I feel I, I feel for Sam Pittman at Arkansas. I just got through two of his last four. I'll get through the other two tomorrow. But they have they have been their own worst enemy. You couple that with injuries, which are, are, have been mounting on the offensive line, and now they're mounting on defense. They were down five guys coming off the yeah. Ole Miss game, and all five of them are questionable for this week. But really, when I say their own worst enemy, we've talked about Alabama's penalties. Each of the last four weeks, Arkansas has had double-digit penalties in every game except for one. They've allowed 20 sacks in four weeks. So K.J. Jefferson is getting banged up. He's getting beat up. Uh, I think yeah. he's starting to see ghosts a little bit. They don't have that blazing passing threat. And most importantly, they can't run the ball a lick right now. And so it, it's the way Alabama's playing and, and what's happening, I think, mentally and physically to Arkansas, it's taking its toll. Similar in fashion to what I said about like Notre Dame, like yeah. how much longer can you sustain this and be treading water and somehow find the steps at the edge of the pool and get out of it? And we'll find out. Sam Pittman will have them ready to play. The question is, do they have enough horses in the stable to run the race? Yeah, 11 o'clock Central Time, noon Eastern, straight out of game day. You'll see Luganville and his crew there in Tuscaloosa for Alabama and Arkansas. It is Ball, presented by MyBookie.ag. Code next round when you sign on at MyBookie.ag. Still now, you get that 110% sign-on bonus. Absolutely free money from MyBookie.ag. Play it, play it, win right away. It is yours and yours forever at MyBookie.ag. Code next round. That is code next round when you sign on there at MyBookie.ag. Also, don't forget Roback, Roback.com. Great apparel with the quarter zips. Uh, the hoodies, the great golf shirts right there at Roback.com. We save you 20% on your first order there. TNR20 saves you 20% at Roback.com. That's Roback.com. Don't forget code TNR20 to save 20%. All right, let's talk a little time management. Everybody by now that cares anything about college football has seen what Miami did at the end of that game Saturday night. Um, I flipped over just to see if they could close it out. I had not watched a ton of that game, Luke's, but I kept seeing Georgia Tech hang in there, Georgia Tech hang in there. I'm like, all right, let's see if we see an upset there. And for some reason, I didn't turn it off. And I'm glad I didn't because I got to see an absolute meltdown. Um, I mean, let's just start by, oh my gosh, what are you thinking in that situation? Uh, well, the, the, the bottom line is for the head coach is responsible, but this falls on three people, really. Call the head, the head coach, the play caller, and the quarterback. Yeah. You'd like to think as a quarterback, and I'd like to think I would have done this. Maybe I wouldn't have done this. But in that moment, you're in the huddle, and a play call comes in. And you're going to kind of say to your guys, hey, listen, I might get my you-know-what ripped tomorrow, but we're not running that. Yeah. Line up, and let's snap the ball in first down, take a knee, and we'll go in the locker room. And Coach, you want to get after me? Get after me. That's fine. But I'm not – I can't say for sure I would have done that. Tyler Van Dyke certainly didn't do it. He did not. Um, Shannon Dawson, you know, people talk about, well, how do, how do you not step in, Mario? He shouldn't have had to step in, right? I mean, that should have been a on the headset. All right, guys, no timeouts. Let's go ahead and take a knee. Shannon Dawson, yep, take a knee, blah, 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 blah. There, were, should, there shouldn't have been a step-in moment, I guess, what, what I'm saying. And right. – um, this is one of those rare instances in sports. There's really no other way to dissect it. It's, it's, a, it's a very simple breakdown, but this is one of those rare instances where by taking a knee 
there is virtually a 100% certainty of the outcome. Yeah. Rarely do you have something like that happen. Like people want to talk about that Super Bowl between the Seahawks and the, and the Patriots. Oh, why did you throw it? You didn't hand it off to Marshawn Lynch. Well, there's no guarantee that Marshawn Lynch would have gotten into the end zone. It might've yeah. been a higher probability. Yeah. But in this particular instance, this is the rarity of this instance. We are literally talking about a 100% guarantee of outcome. And that's what makes it so disappointing and shocking. All right. I want to do a little exercise with you. Before we do the exercise, though, can you, like from your days as a coach or a player, give me just, I mean, the basic play that they ran, what that might sound like. Like, give me the verbiage in an offense. You know, we would call it off tackle or run up the middle or whatever. What would what would an actual play call sound like in that situation? Um, well, there's different terminology for all of it, but I, I, I could go um, deuce double wing 34 boss on one-on-one, or I could okay. go deuce double wing 34 boss first sound. Um, okay, so, so the deuce tells me what? Deuce tells we're in a two-by-two two set. The double wing right. tells you that your two-by-two two set, because we're in 12 personnel, you're telling your two tight ends to line up in a wing, so they're offset right off of the offensive tackles, which is exactly, ironically, the formation that, that Miami was in. Depending on the offense, there are a lot of people that have different names for different things. I've been in offenses where, you know, you have your even runs to the right, your odd runs to the left. So, like, your inside zone might be 34 on the right, 35 on the left, and your outside zone might be 38 and 39. Um, I've been in an offense where we had names for all the runs. Like, our inside zone was any boy's name. Right. And our outside, our, our, our inside zone on the left was any girl's name. And it enabled us to, to know huddle and use a different name all the time and for people never to get a beat on our on the terminology. So there's a variety of ways of doing it. Um, but essentially, they just ran an inside zone or a midline. Okay, so I don't know if Dawson is in the booth or on the field. And I don't know if you know. He's on the field. He's on the field. Okay, so he is going to call that, and it's going to be in the headsets, right? And then there's going to be a coach or a backup quarterback that hears that, signals it into Van Dyke. Okay, so that's that's the way this is going to go, right? Mm -hmm. So in coaching, I've never been on these headsets. Dawson doesn't just say it once, right? Like he's going to clearly say it. I mean, how how does that work? Take me through how that works. So yeah, yeah, he would clearly say it. Yeah. So he would clearly say to be going, all right, give me whatever your they they use terminology personnel wise. So I'll, we'll call it 12. Give me 12, give me 12, give me 12. Somebody's on the on the sideline and, and the personnel's waiting to go in. 12's going in, so we're, we got our personnel coming out. Give me 12, give me 12, give me 12. All right. Um, deuce, double wing, deuce, double wing. Usually you're saying things two and three times. Deuce, double wing, deuce, double wing. Go 34 boss, 34 boss. Let's make sure we're on, we're, uh, uh, we've got no false starts. Let's take our time. We don't have to rush this. 34 boss, 34 boss. Let's go first sound. Let's not mess with any false starts. Let's go first sound, 34 boss. And all of that stuff's going in like the whole time. Okay. So the whole time now, and now there's a guy that's signaling, you know, all that in, you know, he's mm-hmm. he's doing all the signals. But the whole time, Mario Cristobal is on the headset there, right? And the whole time, at any point, Mario Cristobal could have either keyed the headset and said, whoa, 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 or, hey, timeout. I've got a timeout. Let's call timeout, Shannon. Hang tight now. Let's don't do this. I mean. And, and only one instance could that not be correct. In what case? The headset that the head coach wears can switch from the offense to the defense by the press of a button. It could. Now, yeah. I would not imagine he would have been on the defensive frequency. He no reason to. They, they were done with the night, it appeared. They were they were done with the night unless he was talking to, having a, a conversation that bled over into the possession. Right. That's the only way that that could have happened that he wouldn't have heard it. 
But but even still, if I'm Mario Cristobal, because you made a good point there, if they are changing personnel, I know something's up, right? Even if I'm not on the headset, if I see personnel changing, why the crap are we changing personnel? We're just taking a knee. Yeah, I now mean, I don't know. In this instance, that might have been the personnel they had on yeah, the previous down. Yeah. It could have been. It could have been. Yeah. I was just giving you how the play call would play out if you heard it on yeah. a headset and the players heard it and they were signaling it in. Right. Um, if you were making a a, a personnel. Change. Yeah, because because Hasselback is doing the game. And I'll give Hasselback credit. Um, yeah. he he's doing the game on ACC Network. That's Tim, right? Tim Hasselback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he called yeah. it really well. He did, and even the plays leading up to that, Luca Bill, he's like, man, I don't know why they're on the line so early in the play clock. You're asking yeah. your lineman, you know, to stand still for a very long time, knowing you're not going to snap this ball. So already, he he's like, I don't know why they're out of the huddle on the line so early. Take more time in the huddle. Don't bring your guys to the line until ten seconds on the play yeah. clock, so they don't have to stand so long. So he's already like, I don't know what they're doing here. And then after Georgia Tech uses their timeouts and they're running the ball, he's like. Why are they running the football? Literally, all you have to do is take knees. Like, Hasselback felt this coming. Not only that, they were in the shotgun. <laughs> just make it even more difficult. Yeah. I mean, even I, more I just, bad things can happen. But, but you know what gets lost in all of this? You know what gets lost in all this? Is like, you could have still won the game, but no, your defense, who probably to their defense, probably is like, we're done for the night. You know, I'm I'm unbuckling my yeah, I'm unbuckling oh, yeah. my pads. I'm you know throwing away my mouthpiece, and now all of a sudden we're called back out on the field. We didn't expect to be out there. They let a receiver. They get Christian Leary or all the way behind the defense. I'm like, I mean that that failure gets ignored because of how bad the offensive failure was. And it wouldn't have happened had Haynes King not broken the pocket. Yep. Yep. When he got out on the run and Miami's eyes were to the quarterback and not deep as the deepest, they were in trouble. They were in trouble, all right. I mean, how – if you're Miami and they play North Carolina this week, you just saw North Carolina get Syracuse. North Carolina's got Tez yeah. Walker back. Everything seems to be going their way. To me, there's really only two reasonable outcomes here. This team uh, is a fragile mess and they completely melt or they're tired of hearing their coach get drugged through the mud this week and they go out and every post-game interview is going to be, we won this one for Coach Cristobal. Everybody was Zill Mario. We love him and all that. I mean, to me, that's really only – that's the only ways I could see this playing out. So a couple thoughts on that. Number one, North Carolina cannot look at Miami the way Miami looked at Georgia Tech because of the right. Boston College or the, the Bowling Green debacle, right? right? So if you start having that mindset, then you're going to be in for a dogfight, all right? You better take Miami seriously. My second thought on this is what, what is such a shame about what took place in, in that moment was everything Miami had done to that point looked like Mario Cristobal made all the right moves. He made the right moves in the portal. He made the right staffing moves. Yep. They were playing lights out on offense. Tyler Van Dyke looked like the 2021 version. Like, you watch them, and you're like, they might be able to cause some problems for Florida State or Clemson or North Carolina, what have you. And in the span of five seconds, it all blew, blew away. It was like, Gone, right? So now, to your point, does my was that was that a blip? Was that just a, a brain fart and not a reflection of the progress that they had made to that point and how good they had been playing? Or does this is does do they let that one play destroy their season? And that's going to be based on leadership. That's going to be based on pride, and it's going to be based on having the maturity to move past it.
And we won't know that until they take the field against North Carolina. I, North Carolina, though, no, don't take them lightly. Miami's got players. Yeah. How long will it be for Tez Walker to be a fully functioning part of that offense, you think? He's been out a while. What day? Today, Tuesday? Monday. Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something. So I'll give you some background on that. Okay. So he went through the – he left the spring as their starting wide receiver. Went through all of the summer as their starter. Went through all of fall camp as their starter. And they did not find out that he wasn't going to be able to play until they drove from from uh, Chapel yep. Hill to Charlotte. So that was yep. a Thursday night. He continued to practice and rotate with the one because they figured they'd appeal and by the next week they'd have the right answer. When they didn't get that was when they moved him to the scout team. So it wasn't as if he wasn't in game condition or he hadn't been practicing or he wasn't allowed to practice. He just wasn't getting reps with with the offense. He was obviously the ultimate scout team weapon. But what he did, and it was interesting talking with Mac Brown about this last week, and Chip Lindsey as well, he said it was really kind of cool. Tez took it upon himself during that three-week time to go sit in on different position meetings on offense. Go sit in on the offensive line meetings and see what they're being told and what they're responsible for. And go sit in on the quarterback meetings and what are they looking for and what are they expecting out of the receivers. And then go sit in the receiver meetings and the running backs meetings. And they said he really put the time in. It was super patient, but it was it was obviously it was a big moment for them, man. He he's different. Like I I didn't recognize it until I didn't realize it until I saw him. I remember seeing him against Georgia last year. You remember what he had done to Georgia? Yeah. But I didn't realize how good he was. And that's a good receiving core in North Carolina. And he is better than all of them. I mean, so that's going to be he, a big weapon. He's good enough that they're a, I mean, they're still undefeated, right? But I don't know that people buy into them as much as they do a Florida State or, well, right. I mean, they're good, they're good enough. Okay. Yeah. They, they got to stay healthy. And you sit yeah. there and you say, okay, well, they are, are they good enough on defense? Well, that's all relative to what we saw last year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they went, if they went better. out there and put their pants on a different way this year, they'd be better than they were, were last year. But Gene Chizik's <laughs> done a great job. They have a lot more depth along their defensive front. They rotate a lot of guys. Tramp did a wonderful job in the transfer portal. Yeah. And so they are better on defense, and that helps them. But Drake May's numbers might not be what they were a year ago. He's actually playing better football. They're just running it better, and they're far more physical. All right, quick question for Luganville to wrap up after I tell you that ball is presented by MyBookie.ag. Code next round there at MyBookie.ag. Get that sign-on bonus of 110% free money. Uh, when you make your initial deposit, they match it with 110% sign-on bonus there at MyBookie.ag. That is when you use code next round. Code next round at MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag, code next round. Uh, two quick questions. Did we see the Big 12 championship preview Saturday, do you think it will be Oklahoma, Texas part two when we get to December? I, I do. I, um, the one question I would ask is when is Jalen Daniels coming back for Kansas and would it be in time for the Oklahoma game? Yeah. Texas was fortunate to get that one out of the way, not have to face him. But they're clearly the two best teams in the conference. When you look at how, you know, Texas Tech's been disappointing. Baylor's been disappointing. TCU to some degree has been disappointing. Oklahoma State responded versus Kansas State, but Kansas State's clearly been disappointing. They lost to Missouri as well. So, yeah, I mean, uh, that's the beauty of how this thing is setting up. As as spectacular as that outing was, we're going to get a chance to see it again, I think. Is this game Saturday in Seattle, the Pac-12 championship preview with you, uh, with uh, Oregon and Washington? 
Barring injury to either one of the two quarterbacks, I, I think it will be. I, I do. Um, and I, you, you look at these teams, and you know me. I'm not a big statistics guy except for a handful of them that I think really matter to winning and losing. But, like, everything across the board, average yards per pass attempt, passing yards, total offense, like, they're all within, like, five, seven, ten yards mm-hmm. of each other. Somebody's ranked number one. The other team's ranked number three. One of them's ranked number two. The other one's ranked number four. Like, something's got to give, Right. And I think that that's something is Oregon has to find a way to force Washington to be patient on offense. Washington is the best team in America at pushing the ball downfield on all three downs. It doesn't matter what down it is. All of those numbers they're putting up, they're not dinking and dunking and throwing little bubble screens and crossing routes five yards in front of them. Those are deep, low percentage throws for most people, and they hit them routinely. So if you take them out of that, how do they respond? Are they patient enough to run the ball, throw the ball underneath? And could they could they manage a 10-yard, a 10-play drive, a 12-play drive? Because that's not how they've done it to this point. I think that's the focal point for Oregon on defense is if you're going to do anything, make them dump it off and come up and tackle. But if you start giving them up over the top, you know, that's not going to – on the road to that place, it's not going to be a good recipe. You can see Luganville uh, Tuesday night, Appalachian State Saturday, straight out of game day, Alabama taking on Arkansas, and you can see those games uh, there with Luganville on the ESPN Family and Networks, ball presented by MyBookie.ag, code next round when you sign on there at MyBookie.ag, get that 110% sign-on bonus, that is free money they are giving you, you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag, want some games to play? Lance'sLock.com gives you those. Lance is up 14 units just over the last month. He's slaying it right now in football. You can get on board with daily, weekly, monthly, year-long packages with a great value under $100 uh, right there at Lance'sLock.com. And don't forget TNR20 when you check out at Roback.com for all their great apparel to save 20% on your initial order. Roback.com, code TNR20. All right, safe travels, Lukes. Have a good week. We'll see you next time. All right, appreciate it. Take care.